0: Hi, I'm Edwin. And I'm Andrew. Two men. Fifteen minutes.
1: Eternal impact.
0: Welcome to Text Talk. I will see. In the first book,
1: O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. That's Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, Andrew. And what grabs my attention today is many proofs. Mm. Many proofs. I've read the Gospels. And uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And I hear Luke say many proofs, but I read the Gospels and I find the record of a handful of proofs. He introduces himself to the women he introduces himself to those disciples on the road to Emmaus. He comes to the disciples on that first day of resurrection. He comes to the disciples again a week later. We know there's something that happens in Galilee at some point later. Then there's the ascension. But we got 40 days of him being there. And so when it says many proofs, I'm thinking there's got to be more than the five or six that are just recorded in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And here's why I bring this up. is because... Well, the accusation is that these guys are making it up. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they made it up. Paul made it up that Jesus wasn't resurrected from the dead. And so they're just developing this religion that somehow caught on. And to me, uh, when when I see this thing about many proofs, I actually find it comforting. I, I think probably a skeptic would say, well, where's the many proofs? But what what I see there is that If I were making something up, if I were making up a story, if I got together with you and said, hey, Andrew, let's make up a story. Let's see if we can get a bunch of people to follow it. And I wanted to say that a thing happened and I wanted to say there were many proofs. I would start multiplying my stories of proof. I would start trying to throw out as many as I possibly could. And what I sense from Luke here is this, this fellow who's writing, who believes it, who knows it. And as far as he's concerned, this is true. I can let you know that there were many proofs, but I don't. I don't have to record five hundred proofs. Um, I, I've recorded the ones that are that are necessary. I don't feel the
0: need to multiply. Well, sure. And it gets back to proofs for what? Proofs. You know what? What are we trying to prove here? Um, in the New King James, I'm reading out a little different than than um, the ESV you're reading out of. But it talks about many infallible proofs or many unmistakable proofs. That he has presented himself alive after his suffering, uh, you know what we're trying to prove here, or what he has proved here and demonstrated to the apostles, is that he is alive. They were absolutely persuaded that he was dead. All right, that the crucifixion itself, uh, pierced by a Roman spear, put into the tomb. The tomb is sealed. There's a Roman guard posted dead and buried without any doubt. Um, How do you come back from that? Three days later, the tomb is empty. So what has happened here? What has occurred? And he is presenting himself alive to them. It's not a phantom and it's not a ghost. Uh, He is not glorified, ascended to heaven, as we're going to see a little bit later here in this same first chapter of Acts, where we, we see his ascension but he is alive. And so how do you demonstrate a person who's clearly dead and now they are alive? And, you know, without going through all the different gospels that you just named, but he is demonstrating it really is me. Look at the scars on the hand from the nails. Look at my side. It's me. Um, He's eating with them. It's me. Uh, A few different places. He's taking food with them. Um, and, And so... To demonstrate to them, to this group of disciples, apostles, that I am back from the dead. I have conquered death, and it is me. And so, you know, I don't know that you have to multiply extravagant stories, because what we're trying to prove here is life. He's alive. So, I, I think in our day and
1: age, there has gotten to be this default position that says resurrection doesn't happen it can't happen
0: and Which so is not, just, that's not an unreasonable default hold on, hold on <laughs> we don't see it every day hold
1: on there's the, the resurrection doesn't happen and so i don't have to believe that jesus was raised from the dead and i don't have to answer any questions about it mm. here's what i find fascinating is that when i read the book of acts and actually the rest of the New Testament, what I find out is that the default position 2,000 years ago was resurrection doesn't happen.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: This, this is not new. We didn't figure this out 1,500 years later. Oh, yeah. resurrection doesn't happen. Hmm, wonder what that means about Jesus. N- no. When, when Luke was writing, in fact, as we read through Acts, we'll see this over the coming weeks, it's almost when does the trouble occur? They They love the teaching. They're listening to Paul. They listen to Peter. When do they get upset? When they start talking about resurrection.
0: Yeah, it's a bridge far. Bridge too far.
1: (laughs) It's exactly right. So this default position is not new. It's always been the default position. What that means then is that we have that default position today, but now I have some questions to answer. And that is 2,000 years ago, they had that same default position. What happened that caused this exponentially increasing number of people from among the Jews and the Gentiles to decide resurrection doesn't happen, but it happened this time, right? It happened this time. Something happened that took people like Luke, a physician. Mm -hmm. I have to think a physician saw people die and he knew what death was. Saul, a Pharisee among the Jews that was just completely opposed to it. And then just Gentiles. I mean, Paul's going to write a letter to the Corinthians and he's going to say Jews and Greeks don't buy this. In other words, if I were making this up, this is not the story I'd make up because Jews and Greeks don't buy this. To the Greeks, it's folly. To the Jews, it's scandalous. But something happened. And I think that's the question that we have to ask. Something happened that produced Christianity as it is. And I have to be able to say, well, if, if it's not exactly what the Bible says it is, what happened? What happened to produce this? For me, that's a huge... That's a huge comfort. That's that's one of the reasons why today, February 19th, Wednesday, I'm going to live with Jesus as my king. Because something happened, and I'm convinced it's exactly what Luke says here. With many proofs, he demonstrated to this group of people that he rose from the dead. And then when they started teaching it, which we'll see next week as we're reading Acts chapter 2, when they started teaching it, they demonstrated things that caused people to say, you know what, resurrection doesn't happen. But it happened this time.
0: Yeah, the change—the change that brought about in these men—is absolutely remarkable. Uh, the other thing that Matthew's gospel tells us is that there's already a counter narrative being pushed uh, by the Pharisees, by some of the religious elite, and that is that his disciples, that these apostles, they—you um, know—they stole the body by night. And even though the Roman soldiers who are witnesses to the angel and, and the stone being rolled away, an empty tomb, uh, they're bribed, they're bought off to go ahead and, and push this counter-narrative as well. So you've got this rumor mill circling around that, that casts these apostles in an entirely different light, Okay, that they are conspirators, that they have stolen a body, that they, they've cooked up a story of resurrection and so the frame here that luke gives us and the frame for theophilus is to understand they had to it had to be proved to the apostles first it had to be proved to the apostles first they're not conspirators they're not grave robbers jesus is dead and buried and uh, and they're discouraged by that information and they're asking themselves what happens next and when jesus begins to appear which is a testament to this wonderful glorious resurrection They're the first skeptics of it. And so it's by many proofs over several days that it's demonstrated, yes, I was dead. Now I live. And so a key word is now added. They're disciples, they're apostles. But here's the new word we're going to start reading about, witnesses. A little later on in the first chapter, they're witnesses to this resurrection. How can they testify to it? He was there with them and proved I was dead. Now I live.
1: As you're bringing up that passage in Matthew, I, I looked it up here. So while they were going, this is Matthew twenty-eight, eleven. While they were going, behold, some of the guard went into the city and told the chief priests all that had taken place. And when they had assembled with the elders and taken counsel, they gave a sufficient sum of money to the soldiers and said, tell people his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we'll satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. Because of course, if these are Roman soldiers, and I know some folks think maybe they were soldiers from, from among the Jews, but if they were Roman soldiers and they fell asleep on duty and some people mm-hmm. did this, the governor would have them executed. This is another one of those things where I feel like there, there's this idea that today we have become enlightened. Oh, we are so much smarter than people were 2,000 years ago. They right. were just superstitious and they would just believe anything. And no they realized there's an empty tomb. We got to have an answer for it. Here's our answer. Now, their answer did not make a bit of sense when you consider what the apostles went through, which is what, what you've been talking about here. And that's, that's getting back to what I'm talking about. The, the default position that there's no resurrection does not mean I don't have to answer questions. It was the default position then. It's the default position today. People understood. We saw the guy die. We know he was buried. And now we see that his tomb is empty. I have to answer the question, what happened on that third day? Mm -hmm. That tomb is empty. I've got to come up with a reason for it. What happened on that third day that prompted these disciples to become these proclaimers of a risen Savior that they were willing to suffer and die for? Because that's, that's the apostles. The apostles were sentenced to death. That's what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And all of them... With the potential exception of John, historically speaking, the record shows that they were all executed at one point or another. John may have died a natural death after being exiled, but what prompted that? What prompted people 2,000 years ago to go from that default position? And that's the question I answer. And I think, as I've considered all the potential answers, the one that the Bible says is the one that makes sense to me. Go ahead.
0: I was just going to say, the truth of the resurrection, it changed their lives. The truth of the resurrection, it changes lives today.
1: It should. And so because of that, here's the key. The, the claim of Christianity is not a, it's not even actually just a religious spiritual claim. It's a historical claim. If Jesus died on the cross and rose again on the third day, as I believe he did, that means something about him. And it means he's king. So here we are today. That doesn't just mean, oh, I'm going to go to church. Oh, I'm going to try hard. It means Jesus is my king. And today I'm going to live with him as my king because he conquered death for me. And, and I'm excited about that. Let's wrap up with a prayer. God in heaven, thank you so much for the plan. Thank you for sending your son to die for us. Thank you for raising him from the dead. Thank you for selecting these witnesses that you used to bring that message about. The revelation of your mystery that they brought forward about the fact that we can be in your kingdom fellow citizens in your temple. And Father, we pray that today we will live as subjects of your son, King Jesus. Forgive us where we've fallen short of that. Strengthen us to overcome. We love you, Father. Thank you for loving us first. Through your son, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. I'm Edwin. I'd like to invite you to worship with us at the Livingston Avenue Church in Lutz, Florida. You can find everything you need to know about us at ChristiansMeetHere.org. Check out our daily written devotional blog. The link is in the show notes. Our theme song was sung by Michael Eldridge. You can get more from him at Acapeldridge.com. Thanks for talking about the text with us today. Have a great day.
0: Every tear wiped away When I